Welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast. Pantsuit Nation is an online community of 3.8 million people who have come together to resist the current administration through activism, advocacy, and the power of personal narrative. I'm Courtney Tunis, and I am here with Libby Chamberlain. Hello. And we are excited to bring you this week's episode. Um, but first, let's chat a little bit about a milestone for the Pantsuit Nation podcast. It's actually our 51st episode today. Um, we... We accidentally missed the 50th episode last week, (laughs) probably because we were like fangirling over talking to Alicia um, a little too hard. But uh, yeah, so we're we're at 51. Yay. Awesome. Yeah. So that means we've been doing this for for almost a year and um, we've had some incredible guests. If you're just catching us now, um, please go back and, and check out some of our episodes. I mean, it's it's hard to even think about some of our favorites. We we did have Hillary Clinton on the podcast, which was kind of yes, a big deal. That <laughs> um, can count as a highlight. Yeah. But I'm also thinking back to like last summer when we had, um, you know, so many incredible Cancer Nation members like Talamika Bryce, um, founders mm. of different organizations. Um, there's There's been some great ones. So thanks, Courtney, for hanging out with me for 51 episodes and um, excited yes. to, to bring you all some more over the summer and into the fall. Absolutely. So um, it's been a weird week, this 51st week of the podcast, uh, starting with the summit between Trump and Putin in Helsinki and just the utter mess that has come out of the president, like just essentially being treasonous on the national stage. Um, I I don't know. I I like sort of can't get my head around it still that um, this is the, the reality that we are living in. Um, it's been a real WTF moment for me, which is crazy because you think it's like, right, how I don't many know how I'm have still surprised. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how I still get there, but um, it's, yeah, I, I just have had my mind kind of blown again um, listening to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those times um, – similar to so, so many moments in this presidency where I'm like really scrambling around for like what to do. That's a tactical response as opposed to just like yelling <laughs> or like uh-huh. posting about it on social media or like, you know, and we in Pansy Nation, like really try to offer calls to action um, and steps for people that are, that are meaningful and not just like activism for activism's sake. Um, so that actually leads me to our guest today because, um, she is someone that I, uh, really appreciate that she's always focused on like what works, what strategy, what are tactics that are actually going to move the needle as opposed to just like rage tweeting, which, you know, like has, has a role, but, um, really excited to have Kat Calvin on the Pants Nation podcast today. Uh, Kat is a, a lawyer. She's a social entrepreneur and a writer. Kat is the founder of Spread the Vote, which is a nonprofit organization that helps people obtain IDs, uh, to vote. And we'll let Kat talk much more about Spread the Vote, um, when she joins us. Uh, and along with Spread the Vote, uh, Kat is an advisor to Ragtag, which is an organization pairing technologists with organizations who need technological support. And she also writes about politics and how liberals can do better, as I was just saying. Um, she is one of 2018 Fast Company's uh, mo- 100 Most Creative People in Business and has been a business insider 30 under 30, the Grio 100, and more. Uh, Kat's been featured on PBS's To the Contrary, BET's Black History Month profiles, and has been a guest commentator on Sirius XM. Uh, she's been featured in numerous print and digital outlets. Uh, her Twitter is awesome. And Courtney, you and I have both had a chance to meet Kat and uh, really excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome, Kat. 
Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. So Kat, let's dive into Spread the Vote, which is a project that we know, know you sort of the best for and, and um, certainly taking up a lot of your time. Can you tell our listeners about sort of the idea behind Spread the Vote and how you're helping people get IDs? Sure. So uh, Spread the Vote is a nonprofit organization that obtains IDs uh, for people who need them um, for jobs, housing, medical care, everything that you need a photo ID for um, every day. And then uh, we, because we work in photo ID states, they also need them to vote. Uh, So we help them get all of the documents, pay all the fees, the transportation, work through the bureaucracy, do everything that uh, it takes in order to get a photo ID that they can use for their lives and they can use at the poll. Um, so in talking a little bit about in the early part of the podcast, you know, Libby was talking about um, concrete, tangible action. And this one is obviously like so concrete. <laughs> I think of how often I pull the ID out of my wallet. Um, so how in the course of your work in activism did it lead you to this particular organization and getting people's IDs? Uh, I mean, I've been looking for I and you mentioned my Twitter feed and I do rage tweet a lot, but I'm constantly looking at yes and it's so good and everyone should follow you (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm always looking for just ways to make measurable impact and you sort of you know hit on it with you know watching the president commit treason on international television right but like right now there's a lot of of course rage and fear and etc i'm and there are a lot of people who are taking advantage of that to raise money or or build lists or whatever, but who don't have actual concrete strategy. And that's what we need is what works. Um, and I've spent my whole life trying to figure out, okay, what is a way that I can make a measurable impact on the Black community and the country as a whole? And I've sort of been in ed reform and, and a bunch of other spaces. Um, and after the election, I've always been looking for ways to make measurable impacts um, in the Black community and the country as a whole, which sort of led me to the law and to ed reform and to a bunch of different spaces. Um, and I had studied voting rights in law school when we still had a fully functioning Voting Rights Act. Um, and so after law school sort of went on to other things and then Shelby County Beholder happened, which hopefully all of your listeners have heard of. If not, definitely Google it. It was an incredibly important, impactful Supreme Court decision that uh, essentially took the teeth out of the Voting Rights Act. And I'm literally, and I'm not kidding, literally within a couple of hours, uh, the Texas state legislature, the Alabama state legislature, other states started working on voter ID laws because it is something that uh, the GOP had been testing in states, Georgia, Indiana, some others for years and years and years and figuring out what works, figuring out how it could win um, in the courts, figuring out how to, you know, write the bills, et cetera, so that as soon as the Supreme Court decision came down, they were able to start passing voter ID laws. And then on the other end, there wasn't really a lot happening to to fight it. Uh, there's some, you know, great organizations, the ACLU, the uh, Legal Defense Fund of the NAACP, the League of Women Voters who have been seeking judicial remedies, uh, which unfortunately we see sort of over and over again, these laws get struck down in the courts and then they just pass them again. Uh, and so... When the election happened, it was obvious if you just looked at the numbers that not only did voter ID laws significantly impact the 
presidential election, but they are absolutely devastating on local elections because state and local elections are won by very small margins of victory. So you don't have to suppress that much of the vote in order to sway an election. And I, again, I'm just, I'm super practical. And I'm always like, if I can't at the end of the day, look at a spreadsheet and see what my impact was, then it doesn't count. And so I was like, well, what is the one thing that I can do that I know will make an impact in that I can, can count and measure and see. And it just seemed really obvious that if people need IDs to vote, then we should just get them those IDs. Uh, and so, you know, with that in mind, I started spread the vote and that's what we do. Amazing. So can you tell it, like walk us through what that looks like on a day-to-day basis? Because I think, um, I mean, it's a tremendous amount of work and requires basically sort of a one-to-one, you know, volunteer um, to to person seeking an ID um, process. And you've got some incredible stories up on your website, uh, which will will um, direct people to. But but tell us what that looks like, and, and also maybe a little bit about who's the most affected um, by these voter ID laws um, around the country. Sure. Uh, well, the second part easy to answer because it's the people who are most affected by all, you know, adverse laws in this country. Uh, So there are 11% of the country doesn't have government-issued photo ID. 11% of eligible voters, 21 million eligible voters in the country. It's actually a lot more if you add in people who aren't eligible because they, for instance, are you know, returning citizens who are still on parole or they're undocumented or whatever. But so there are 21 million eligible citizens who cannot vote. And there are 34 voter ID states and 20 of them require specific types of photo ID. So that is, and some of our biggest states like Texas and Florida. So millions and millions and millions of people do not have the ID that they need to be able to go to the polls. However, that 11% also doesn't have the ID that they need to get a job. Because if you think about it, you need photo ID to work legally. You need ID to get housing. You need ID in a lot of cases to get medical care. You know, you need ID to, there are a lot of food banks that won't give you food if you don't have ID. There are shelters that won't let you sleep there if you don't have ID, right? You need ID to verify that you're you're registering your kids for school. Like there, you need it for everything. And if you just think about everything, you pull your ID out for every day, that 11% doesn't have it. So they're very much the most vulnerable people in the country. It's, um, you know, a lot of people of color, a lot of people who, um, because of the circumstances of either not having ID or the other way around, are homeless. Um, a lot of returning citizens, a lot of elderly people. Uh, we also work a lot with high school students who, you know, high school students are not getting driver's licenses at the rate that they used to. Um, I mean, back when I was in high school, they didn't teach high, driver's ed in high school, and it cost hundreds of dollars to take it privately. That's now more and more the case. So we work with a lot of kids who are about to graduate and don't have the ID they're going to need to start their lives. Um, and in states like Texas, Florida, or Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, those high school students also can't vote with their student IDs. Um, they can vote with a gun license, but not a student ID. <laughs> and so... Boy. Um, well, that's convenient. Right. It works out very well. Um, so, so it's, you know, we also work with a lot of elderly people who have been voting for, you know, their whole lives, decades, or since the Voting right. Rights Act passed and they were able to vote for the first time. But... You know, if you don't, if you are elderly and you don't drive anymore, you don't have a driver's license. And then the biggest problem that we run in with that particular group of people is that uh, they were either often born in a rural area, on a farm, somewhere where they didn't get a birth certificate, or if they're black and they were born during Jim Crow, 
black babies didn't get birth certificates. And so we have a really hard time and have to sometimes FOIA the Social Security Administration or for one lady, we had to get her school records from 1943 and like all of these different things that we have to do to try to prove that they are who they say they are because they never had a birth certificate um, and, you know, suddenly found themselves unable to vote uh, because of these new laws. So the way that we work, you're right, it is, this is about as grassroots as it gets. It's literally going out, finding a person who needs a thing and helping them get it. And we have just superhero volunteers who, uh, who, who work incredibly hard to change people's lives. Uh, and what we do is we launch local chapters in every community, uh, in communities across the states that we're in. So we right now operate in Georgia, Virginia, Tennessee, Texas, and Florida. Um, and we'll be launching in more in 2019 and beyond. Those are the five we're in right now. And we have chapters all across each of those states and are constantly launching more. You can go on our um, our website, if you go to spreadthevote.org backslash you know, Florida, Virginia, whatever, you can see where we have chapters, who the state director is in that chapter uh, or in that state, you know, how to get in touch with them, et cetera. Um, and so our local chapters, we train our volunteers, everything they need to do to be ID experts, right? How do you, what are the laws for getting an ID? How do you get a birth certificate? How do you get a social security card? How do you walk through the DMV process? Everything they need to know so they know how to help people get IDs. Uh, and we then partner with local organizations, um, everyone from schools to homeless shelters and food banks to, you know, we're going into county jails in Texas starting next month or public housing units or hospitals mm-hmm. and literally anyone in the community, voter registration orgs, and I will get into why that's important in a second. I'm literally anyone who is working with uh, people who um, don't have IDs or are part of the community that is um, more likely not to have IDs. And then we connect one-on-one with each person who needs an ID. They are assigned a volunteer mentor. And then that volunteer helps walk them through the whole process, helps them get their birth certificate, drives them to the DMV, helps them get everything together so that they actually get the ID in their hands. I'm, and like I said, we pay for everything. I'm, and then we make sure they're registered to vote. They then take that ID and go off and 99% of the time, the first thing they do is start looking for jobs because that's the big thing. Of course, everybody wants to work, but you can't work without an ID. So they go find jobs, housing, whatever it is that, that they need every day of the year. And then when an election comes around, we get back in touch with them. We do some voter education to make sure they know what's going to be on the ballot. Um, when it's time to vote, that they know how to vote, all of these things. And we take them to the polls uh, so that they can vote on election day. This is so incredibly comprehensive. And I love, um, I don't know, I'm I'm like the worst Virgo in the history of Virgos <laughs> that like, I'm actually not very good at like having, you know, concrete things that are like do X to do Y to do Z. Um, but it is so... Uh, motivating to hear like just how um, like setting up a checklist and getting someone to walk someone through it can have such incredible tangible impact on people's lives. And one of the things that I love about um, following your work on social media is that you will share, you know, people's stories who get IDs and, and this is how their lives have changed. Um, and it's, again, something that I think when we're in this space where we're so zoomed out and are thinking about things that are on such a high level – that like seeing a man, you know, get a a license or an ID for the first time in years, it like validates you as a person in a way that is so much deeper than just like the 
things that you are able to do, but it kind of re-enters you in society in a way that you can see on the faces of the people that you help. Yeah, I mean, and you really exactly hit on it. So, you know, when I started this, I literally was just thinking about voting. And I was like, well, we'll get them a voter ID and they'll vote and that'll be in the end of it. And I came to understand, you know, pretty quickly as we started doing this and started figuring out, you know, the first several months, I sort of failed at everything trying to figure out how to even do this. And as we realized, oh, this is about so much more than voting. Um, This is about people's lives and about, like, just as you said, people's personhood and People say to us constantly, I'm a person again because I have this. You're not a person in this country without an ID, which if you think about it, you're not. And then what we realize and what we really understand now is that if we want, you know, people to think about sort of what that end goal is of voting, people can't concentrate on voting when they aren't a person when they don't know how they're going to feed their children, when they right. don't know where they're going to sleep at night. But as soon as we help them attain that thing that, you know, we sometimes help people who have not had an ID for 20 years, for five years, for whatever, right? And like the way that people have to survive without it does not allow them the space or the time or even the belief that they are a full citizen because you're really not without an ID mm-hmm. to be able to think about voting. But as soon as we help them get that, then they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I do want to vote. I have that right. But it's just, you, I mean, you're right. You can see the shift. And I love the videos that we have. And I love, you know, our volunteers, you know, talk about all the time that like they get this thing in their hand. And there's just this whole shift in personality because they, it, it is, it empowers you so completely. And then we do see people who get jobs, you know, or are able to get housing. And, you know, it's funny because, I, a lot of DMVs are in, you know, like shopping malls or mini malls or whatever. And very frequently, someone will get their uh, their ID. And what you actually get when you go to the DMV is, you know, you get like a piece of paper and then they'll mail it to you in like a week. And a lot of times the, uh, the we call them our voters, uh, will get the piece of paper in their hand and then they'll tell the volunteer, can we just, can we stay here for a few minutes? I just want to go pick up some job applications. And it happens so often yeah, <laughs> because it's like they amazing. realize, oh, I can, I can do this now. Like, I want to work. And, and, and I think that's one of the big myths about people living in poverty is that they don't want to work. No, they do. It's just that it's hard to get the things that it, you need in order to be able to do that. Um, you know, and the same, we, you know, we have so many students. You know, I was in high schools in Dallas and you ask the kids, how many of you have IDs? And maybe a third of the kids raise their hands, but they're all seniors who are about to graduate, right? And they know that's the thing they need for their lives. I'm, and it does, it changes really everything. And then, you know, they're, they're so excited to go vote. And when we actually sit down and explain things that nobody in this country knows, right? Like, what is the, city council actually do? What does the board of supervisors actually do? How does this actually affect your life? And, you know, oh, and let's talk about margins of victories. And did you know that the city councilman in, you know, this town was elected, you know, by 150 votes? And then people realized like, oh, I can really, like, my vote really matters. I can make an impact. And, you know, we work in a lot of areas because there are so many in this country where people are elected by one vote, right? Like the entire, the entire Right. balance of the Virginia state legislature was decided by one vote, right? Ugh. So when right. people start to understand that. And a coin toss. Right. One <laughs> vote and a coin toss. When we did this whole thing, when that happened, I, of all the different elections over the last two years that have been decided by 
coin toss tosses or you know drawing a card out of a hat or some very creative way to determine a tie um or a lot of times people will just you know the city council will just decide or whatever and and once people understand a i have everything i need to fully access my personhood and my citizenship and to be able to take care of myself and my family and oh actually now i can go vote and i understand what all these offices do and how they affect my life and that i really can have an impact then it completely changes the way that they see um, themselves and the way that they you know, see their role in civic participation. Amazing. I mean, I kind of wish, like, I don't obviously wish this, but it's kind of like this process of not having an idea and getting one, like, just opens up what civic engagement means for, for everyone that has to go through this process. And, like, I, I wish every person who is eligible to vote and already has an ID, like could go through a similar process because, um, yeah, you know, like I, a, an Ebenezer Scrooge moment of like, ghosts yeah, of I'm going to take no this away for you for one hour and show you what it would be like. And then I'm going to give it back to you and tell you how much your vote matters and how critical it is for you to vote in every election. And like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's profound and moving in like a, a number of different levels, obviously for the people, the voters that you're, um, getting IDs for for your volunteers who are stepping up in really incredible ways for you as a person, as an entrepreneur and someone who, you know, we often in the podcast really like to shine a light on people that see an opening and see a need for something and then just like step into that space and do it. And I think that spread the vote and the work that you're doing, Kat, is such an amazing example of that. So um, can you tell our listeners where to find um, spread the vote and find you on Twitter? Because Courtney and I, and like pretty much the whole Pansy Nation team at this point is kind of obsessed with your Twitter account. That's a good one. <laughs> um, yes. So you can go to spreadthevote.org, um, which you know, has all our information. If you are in Georgia, Virginia, Tennessee, Texas, or Florida, we would love for you to volunteer with us. I, the number of IDs we're able to get is completely dependent on how many volunteers we have. And I'm so we would absolutely love for you to come out and join us. I'm and I'm you can follow Spread the Vote on Twitter at, at Spread the Vote US. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at, at Kat Calvin LA. I'm mostly yelling at people for being stupid <laughs> or screaming the word impact. It's amazing. <laughs> or like live tweeting in MSNBC with my own comments. I'm but yeah, I'm definitely getting getting get I am, you know, we, we are also, like I said, in early 2019, we'll be launching in more states. So if we're not in your state yet, then definitely stay tuned um, because we will be coming to more and more veteran ID states over the next year, two years, 20 years, however long it takes us to get to every state. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kat. It is truly inspirational to talk to you, and um, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day to chat with us. Thank you so much. It was fun. This week's Pansy Nation podcast is brought to you by Secret Antiperspirant. So let's clear a few things up about Secret Clinical Strength Antiperspirant. Number one, it is not actually a secret. You are allowed to tell anybody about it, which is part of why we are telling you about it. And number two, it is <laughs> clinically strong, which means it's good at preventing sweat, like twice as good as regular antiperspirant. And that's why it is on the top shelf at the store. I don't know if you've noticed that, Libby, but you got to reach to get it because it's really, really good at preventing sweat. <laughs> 
Three, strength is a cool word. You really don't see it on a ton of women's deodorant packaging. So Secret was like, sure, let's shake things up a bit. And four, sweating is the worst. And Courtney, you and I uh, know a little bit about that. We've had some sweaty yeah. moments when we're meeting some of our, our uh, idols talking on this very podcast. And uh, yep. finally, four and a half, not sweating is great. And so you should buy Secret Clinical Strength Antiperspirant. So that when you meet your idols, you don't have to be sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you again to Kat Calvin for joining us. Spread the Vote is doing such critical work, and we are so thrilled that she was able to join us on the Pantsuit Nation podcast today. And now let's talk about what concrete actions we can take to make a difference this week. So it is still critical that we keep the pressure on to get the Senate to vote against confirming Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. No matter who your senator is, call them. But it is especially critical if you live in one of the states where the three Democratic senators voted to confirm Justice Gorsuch. So so that's Senator Manchin in West Virginia, Senator Heinkamp in North Dakota, and Senator Donnelly in Indiana. So call them and demand that they vote against Kavanaugh. And additionally, to get to the 51 no votes that we need um, to not confirm uh, Kavanaugh, we need a couple of Republican senators. And the two most logical targets are Senator Collins, uh, my senator here in Maine, and also Senator Murkowski in Alaska. So if you live in either of those states, please do call. Uh, and again, no matter where you live, call your senators so they know that this is a priority. Um, there are actually a, a number of Democratic senators who haven't publicly come out and said that they would vote against um you know, a Kavanaugh nomination. So there's a lot of work still left to do there. Um, we really need strong support from uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Um, and then just kind of keep that that pressure on with what happened in Helsinki earlier this week. Um, you know, it's uh -huh. there's some distraction <laughs> happening, as there often is in this administration. I wouldn't be surprised if President Trump, you know, on Twitter started like lashing out and people are going to get distracted. And it's a whole pattern, which we should be well aware of at this point. Um, but getting back to the Supreme Court and, um, you know, making sure that we're blocking Brett Kavanaugh is super important. So as always, uh, we recommend going to fivecalls.org. Um, you can click on block Brett Kavanaugh for the U.S. Supreme Court, and it'll give you a call script, phone numbers, like making it super easy. You can even pick the issue um, or a couple of issues that are the most important to you, whether it's the environment, women's reproductive rights, um, you know, uh, consumer protection. There's so many things yeah. where Kavanaugh has already shown Independent counsel, which yeah. is a new one that just came up. So um, right. yeah, really critical. So thank you, Five Calls, uh, for continuing to give us such easy access. Uh, and thank you to our members and to our listeners for continuing to make those phone calls. That really is super important. So now let's transition to uh, my favorite part, the golden pantsuit. And this week's Golden Pantsuit, and just to review, I love talking to everybody. I love talking about the calls to action. This is my favorite part because I get to scour the internet for amazing women doing amazing things, and it just gives me like such a lift. And I read so many great things about what people are up to that don't make it into the Golden Pantsuit. So um, just for a little self-care, Google like great women doing great things and just <laughs> hang out on the internet there for a little while. Um, pro tip from me. Okay, so this week's Golden Pantsuit goes to Michelle Duster, and she is the great-granddaughter of Ida B. Wells, the pioneering journalist and civil rights activist. And Duster has been working for 10 years to get funding to build a monument to her great-grandmother. And this week, they actually reached their goal. So Ida B. Wells um, covered, among other things, the widespread lynching of black men. She was a staunch advocate for the women's right to vote, and she founded many organizations dedicating to supporting the rights of African 
Americans. And she is really, truly a historical Shiro. Um, and she lived half her life in Chicago and is now finally going to be recognized by the city she called home. Um, so let's listen to Michelle talk a little bit about the importance of this monument and how it really reaches beyond her family. The thing is that this Ida B. Wells monument, in my opinion, is not our project. It's not for our family. It is for the city of Chicago. We grew up always knowing that our great-grandmother was a public figure. We've mm -hmm. always had to share her with the public. Our family history is American history. And so honoring Ida B. Wells is not just about our family, but it's honoring American history. And so I feel like this is a public project, and the public should feel like they can get involved in any way that they can. Amazing. And it, you know, it just reminds me, like I was just thinking about an episode of The West Wing that I, wa I watched recently where, um, you know, they're talking about building monuments to historical women, um, you know, figures in American history who contributed. Um, and it's, it's worth reminding ourselves that you know, it's those recognitions most often are, are probably always go first to the white women whose names kind of bubble up because of our like focus on on white people doing white stuff. And like those are some incredible women, you know, <laughs> who have who have contributed to our country. But something like this just reminds us that, you know, we still have so far to go in terms of recognizing mm -hmm. the women of color that have contributed. Um, and that, again, it doesn't under, you know, I, I don't mean to undercut the contributions that um, incredible white women have made over the course of our history. But the fact that we're still in 2018, you know, playing catch up to to literally like erect the monuments that that recognize right. the contributions of women like Ida B. Wells, um, I, you know, it's just worth pointing out. Yeah. And this will be um, the first monument to a black woman in Chicago, which is, um, you know, really hopefully will will kick off a lot more. Um, but you know, Ida B. Wells was someone who was um, leading anti-lynching crusades in the 1890s. Like this is a woman who we have long, it's long overdue that we are honoring her legacy. Um, so congratulations to Michelle and to all of the others who worked on this project for so long to get it um, off the ground. Golden pantsuit to you for your perseverance to get this amazing woman the recognition she deserves. Good one, Court. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> I was just in Chicago this weekend too, so it was really nice to um, have one that is uh, honoring a city that I love so much. Perfect. Well, thank you uh, to our guest this week, Kat Calvin, and to our sponsor, Secret Antiperspirant, and of course to our team at Cadence 13 that helps us get this um, 51st podcast out to uh, all of our listeners. And if you like what you hear, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, we're on all of the places. And so um, subscribe. And then uh, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. It really does help. Visit us at pantsuitnation.org. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at pantsuitnation. Check out our Medium page, medium.com slash pantsuitnation. We will be back next week. Libby will be joining me again. And remember, until then, this democracy is your democracy. So stay engaged. Bye, Corp. Bye.